Welcome to another episode of That Some Crazy Shit with Kelly and James. I am Kelly and my co-host is my good buddy, Mr. James. What's happening, dude? Hey, it's another beautiful day in the corner studio. What can I say? Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Right on. Yeah. That's cool. Well, guess what, James? We have a guest and this is some crazy shit. I know like a lot of times most people probably think like crazy shit paranormal but sometimes crazy shit is not paranormal yeah no sometimes crazy shit is just life sometimes crazy shit is just life and so we actually are talking to janelle maloney and her mom jody maloney no jody's last name is not maloney hold on good thing for editing so we're talking to janelle maloney and Jody Nash Decker, and they are, um, they wrote about their their grandmother. So Janelle's great, great grandmother and Jody's grandmother and how she was in an asylum for, I think, almost seven years. Yeah, seven and years. Seven years at the St. Peter State Hospital for the Insane. And this is back in like the 20s, 1920s. So a lot of crazy medical procedures going down in the 1920s. Yeah, you, think about it. Today, no. you would basically call that shit torture. Yeah, no shit. When you hear it, when you when you hear when she describes it, yeah, it is. It's torture. You would but the thing is, back then, they didn't think it was torture, you know? Yeah, it was basically treatment. medical treatment. And yeah. so they've done all this research on their grandmother slash great-great-grandmother and she wrote poems and was she insane and why she went there and it was just some crazy shit. So I I can't wait for you to to meet them, James, because the stories that they're gonna tell us, crazy. The grandmother, her name was Martha Nash. She wrote a book, she wrote a she wrote a bunch of poems and they composed them into a book called Poems from the Asylum. And they've put the grandmother's name on it, Martha. H. Nash as the author. So I, I thought, that, thought was that was really cool. That was really cool. cool. Are you ready? You want to talk to him? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's talk to author Janelle Maloney and her mom, Jody. Hi, Janelle and Jody. Welcome to That's Some Crazy Shit. How are you? Good. Hi, James. We're doing so well. We're super excited to be able to share our story with everyone today. And we're excited to get right to it. So why don't you tell our listeners what brings you here? Thanks. Well, this is Janelle speaking, so you can get familiar with our two voices. Um, And Jody, my mom, is uh, joining us today. And we are coming to talk about our ancestor, so my great-grandmother and Jody's grandmother, Martha Nash, who spent almost seven years in an insane asylum in St. Peter in Minnesota at a time where they, for lack of a better word, did use some torturous therapies, Um, although back then that was just how they did things, to be fair. And while she was there, she kept a journal of poetry and that captured some eyewitness accounts of some of the stranger things that happened there that we've been able to confirm and elaborate on. And uh, we're just, 
we're processing through all that weird stuff in our family history and our family trees and we're curious um, what might be in other family trees so hopefully this journey will encourage others to poke in and take a look at their uh, ancestry accounts a little closer so i gotta ask why was your great-great-grandmother committed what was supposedly her illness well supposedly she had a case of nerves that's what she self-disclosed in 1934 to acme news press that uh she could not taste food anymore she could not feel what was going on in her tongue and she had a loss of appetite and then her doctor that she disclosed this to said oh well you have a case of nerves but i have to go back a step kelly because this all happened in a uh, in the after um evaluation of a surgery that she had in 1927 mind you, a surgery she had when her husband was out of town that left her unable to walk for three months. So, yeah, we're thinking it might be gynecological or other. I was going to say, what what did she have done that would Mm -hmm. cause that, right? Especially back in 1927 and your husband's out of town. Yeah, we have some suspicions. And she's 37, so there could actually be some legit hormonal things going on, but also there could be some baby stuff going on, but we can't confirm or deny. So we'll just leave that up to our readers. But after she had that mysterious surgery, she reported right away within the next day, hey, something's wrong in my mouth. I can't feel, I can't taste and the doctor didn't have a clue what she was talking about. I mean, if you figure he did surgery down below, why would she be complaining about these things up above? So he diagnosed her with the case of nerves, thinking, oh, you know, she's just nervous about what if her husband finds out, or what if, uh, you know, all these other female concerns that might have come up. Interesting. And this was at a time when, you know, things weren't as open now so everything has to be really probably kept quiet right oh for sure gynecological matters or even hormonal matters for a woman would have been something you never ever spoke to not even with your own and not real either you know it was a long time before they even you know recognized cramps but that's a whole nother story right that's a whole nother story but i'm curious how do you go from i can't taste food to let's commit you yeah Mm -hmm. well if you imagine back in the day we didn't understand a whole lot about um, psychological disorders and how to diagnose them back in this time we're still dealing with if a woman presents a complaint it's probably hysteria she probably needs a hysterectomy or in 1934, 1935, they started with lobotomies. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of female discontent. Maybe even the husband was just tired of her PMS and was like, hey, let's just let this one go. Um, but we do have oh some. <laughs> we do have some extra motive that we like to play with. It makes us uncomfortable, though, because her. Um, While her husband was out working, he was gone for five months on a contract labor job, she got a letter in the mail that was perfumed and it was addressed to him 
and it said, from your lady friend, in quotes. So there is the possibility that mm, her husband had another lady on the side, and she's got some gyny issues, and now she's talking crazy talk. Let's let's just let the doctors take her away. It's easier, it's convenient. So the cheating husband could possibly check all of the boxes he wanted to check in one fell swoop. Wow. And, and we do know that she was depressed because my dad wrote about that. We, uh, all of our information was based on my grandfather's journals, my grandmother's poetry, wit, uh, witness accounts, um, interviews with people at the St. Peter State Hospital Museum. So he did report she was depressed. But in terms of us kind of making a determination after the fact, we can't necessarily say she went into the insane asylum because she was depressed. She might have been depressed because of her physical ailment, or she might have just been heartbroken. And back in the day, in the 20s and 30s, you could be admitted to an insane asylum if you said you had a broken heart, which is an interesting terminology, but someone who has a broken heart is probably depressed. So factor all of that in. It's We don't know that necessarily she was sent there for depression, but we can make some assumptions that between the physical ailment, your philandering husband, um, you probably would not be in the best emotional state. Right. I mean, she kind of had the deck stacked against her. Yes, especially considering back then she had no rights as a woman to make certain decisions about her own medical care, her finances, even in her marriage. We know she, when she discovered this possible, alleged adultery, she did want some kind of divorce, but she would have to have him admit to that or she would have to have some kind of irrefutable evidence in order to obtain the divorce. So she was trapped. She knew this, and there were so many social, cultural injustices that she had to put up with. Even in the asylum, you can't get out unless a male kin signs you out. And her husband didn't until it was just the right time. Wow. So how do they treat depression? Um, back in the day, like what treatments did they give her? You said you, you said it bordered a, along torture. torture. So what yeah. what did that look like? You want to answer that one, Jody? Oh, oh you were pointing to me. Okay. <laughs> well, we tried to be very accurate. Um, the name of the book is Poems from the Asylum, and we tried to be very accurate in our research. If Martha herself didn't say it or we couldn't verify it. For example, we could not lay hands on the actual medical records because we were told from the museum docent that there had been a fire back at the insane asylum and many people's records were lost. So in the book, um, I wouldn't quite say speculated, but based on what was common practice during that time period. So we we stayed a little shy of saying, well, absolutely Martha had this treatment and we know for a fact she had this treatment. We don't know. But common treatment for depression, electroshock therapy, hydrotherapy. Hydrotherapy, for people not familiar with that, is they dunk you in cold, uh, cold ice cold baths to try to shock you out of your depression. 
or electro and hydro together where they put electrodes in the bath that but that's very old that even happened in the 1860s for women um just to deal with more menopausal or cramping things they would sit in the bath and put the electrodes in it and just generate a little electricity for a nice numbing effect we do know know she writes one of her poems spoiler alert she writes about a forced feeding and we again educated assumption that she was force fed because she said she didn't eat or drink so obviously she had to get nutrition in some way if she was using it we assume because she came out alive on the other side that she did indeed get fed one way or the other and force feeding trust us is not um a process for the faint-hearted so uh forewarning there's a very very graphic harrowing poem that she writes about force feeding not saying that it happened to her directly but she writes about what we believe is another sort of patient inmate type person who under the authority of the nursing staff force fed another patient very gruesome wow i'm just it, this it just must be a horrifying for her absolutely and she doesn't shy away from that in her poetry she does talk about the patients who are in there and um, to her knowledge now granted she's not a professional but she says there's nothing wrong with them they're not mentally ill they're just in here because of some nonsense and they can't get out um, she does talk about patients being in chains which we have been able to verify uh, before psychiatric medication they would just keep people chained to a bench or to the wall um, because they couldn't control everyone, especially if there's manic behaviors or violent behaviors. They did use cuffs, which is sort of like a handcuff, but they were quote unquote softer or padded. I don't know how, I mean, they still not quite comfortable. Right. He talks about them being in camisoles where that's a half size straight jacket. So for females, that would have been more sanitary where they can take care of them if they needed to go to the bathroom and such. She talks about being placed in a dark cell um, behind bars. And of course there's the force feeding, but uh, there's a lot of references to some some of the darker elements and hearing things and seeing things um, that when we did approach the museum docents, they were very kind to say, oh, wow, that's very strange information. Or, oh, whoa, that's one take. Um, they didn't, they didn't um, verify. They didn't say, oh, yeah, that happened. And they also didn't say, no, that didn't happen. So they just refused to acknowledge or deny um, the one poem about Miss Mary Peterson and the force feeding that may have resulted in a death they just responded um, in, a, in a nice, polite way. They said, wow, that poem was really difficult to read. So there is a sort of saving face um, aspect to verifying the facts. And unfortunately, that's just how it is because there are current patients there and people who are currently um, going there that we don't want to freak them out. We don't want that to be the stigma anymore. So they are actively working to take those kind of stories like the stories about the ghosts or the people getting lost in the tunnels. They want to take those off the internet and they don't want them being aired. Well, well now, you, now you said my keyword ghost. So 
and and the fact that this place is still open. That's what I was gonna say. It's still open. Mm-hmm. Well, now it is a residential treatment center for lots of different um, illnesses or mental health. So it is modernized, but there is a particular part of one wing that has been preserved and set aside and designated as the museum. So that part is actually still open to the public and they can tour it. Now, granted, it has in its museum ness been curated. So you're going to see what they want you to see. And they do have some of the, the cooler things on display, like the strong dresses and the straight jackets. Um, but they don't have everything on display. One day, maybe grandma's poetry will be there. And at that point, it'll be undeniable. What she said she experienced and what she saw is published, it's printed, it's maybe on display on a wall. And the people who go and check this out, they'll have to make some decisions for themselves of did this happen or not. But paranormal investigators can't get in. So they've made that one really clear, unless you go in all covert style, but they don't want people to come in and try to find the ghost. They don't want them to talk to the staff. And I've actually reached out to a few different ghost hunters in the Minnesota area to ask, what have you found? What's been your experience? One of them posted what they found when they interviewed the staff and that post was removed from the internet um, I want to say about a year later, and they won't talk about it anymore. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, That's interesting. Very interesting. But from that, because I copied it, I had a screenshot of it before it got taken down. But they did say that the staff feel like they're being followed around, even if they have no tour group. They said that there are shadows on the wall of people moving through the halls, but there's no people. And that you can hear the screams through the walls of people underneath in the tunnels. Wow. And that's interesting that there's tunnels under there because um, I've heard of several institutions that are abandoned and haunted now that have tunnels under them. You know, I wonder if that was a common thing at the time. Yeah, they use the, they use the tunnels to transport patients from building to building. So mm. they were um, used in a practical way. But I just wanted to go back to Martha and make a comment. Um, she had a, also a very dark sense of humor because talking about the treatment, mental health treatment while she was in there, she seemed to make a nod toward the idea that not everybody in fact was mentally ill. One of her poems actually says, it's, I think it's funny, um, is she says, if you weren't mentally, you know, mentally ill or crazy coming in here, you will be by the time you get out. So I thought that was a very astute observation on her part that she probably, you know, she didn't have a medical background of psychology, but she probably observed people thinking this could be my neighbor. And literally Janelle will tell you, we found out some of her neighbors were committed there at the same time as her. So literally there were neighbors in the same institution that you might go, I know my neighbor's not mentally ill, or maybe they got into a domestic dispute or something of that nature and, and ended up being sent down to the insane asylum. Um, but one other comment I wanted to make, because we're sort of, which is obviously insane asylums are dark topics, um, but maybe a misperception is I had someone on social media make a comment like, oh, this book looks so interesting, but it's too depressing to read. 
and so I just wanted to say, you know, obviously we're going to talk about some of the dark, harrowing, haunting experiences. That's reality. That's truth. However, this is a woman who survived a horrible situation among other people, lived to tell about it. And in fact, surprising perhaps to your reading audience, <clears throat> many of her poems were lighthearted and whimsical. Mm. So I, I just don't want anyone, you know, we're not avoiding the, the dark side by any means, but that sometimes people hear insane asylum and you automatically think, you know, dungeon or Charles Dickens or, you know, orphanages or what have you. And, and they were dark and dreary and not pleasant places, but, um, you know, they had activities there. They had parties, they had dances, they had movies. When we dug into the research, we were actually surprised because she was right on the cusp of, they were doing mental health reform in that time period. So they were on the cusp of trying to make the, the center more family-like or more, you know, uh, informal or even having the, the patients do crafts and things like that to keep them busy. So we believe her poetry was a form of therapy for her. So all of that to say, um not to necessarily avoid reading the book i mean you can certainly skim through the uh darker sections if that's not your thing but very surprising to read poems from a woman who was articulate intelligent descriptive at it and at times maybe on a good day wrote very fanciful delightful um lovely poetry so even if you're just a, a poetry fan, you would enjoy the book from that aspect. You know, that's a, I think it's a testament to her character that she went through this and survived it and came out the other end. And, you know, she was, you know, upbeat during the whole thing. I mean, well, I would be very proud of her. I, I, I said it's more like she, Mar, I call it, Mar, we call her Martha, like a character, like Martha had a good day or Martha had a bad day. How did she get out? Like, what? Why one day was she just released? Was she was she cured? Yeah, was she cured? Oh, great question. We can't say that she was ever cured. Um, I would go so so much further to say she was never sick to begin with. Right. So what we did find on her case record was that she was released as quote unquote improved, and I don't know what that means either. Mm. I can speculate it means more obedient, less complaining, um, less well, loud you, about her. Yeah, sorry, so she would have tortured, you know. <laughs> right, and for the patients who insist that they don't need to be there, or that this is some kind of crime or injustice against them, and they resist treatment. Now, granted, this treatment imagine electroshock, you're going to lay down and they're going to put electrodes on your brain and literally shock you into having convulsions for several minutes and then you're supposed to feel better. If she was not crazy, not feeling anything that needed that, and she had to endure it in order to prove she was doing her treatments, she was being complicit, she was following the protocols so that she could maybe one day get out, I can imagine this is just really tough for her. So if she disobeyed, if she resisted, that could have resulted, and we've been able to verify this, that it would extend her treatment slash sentencing. So she's not getting better. She's resisting. Let's add another six months and see how she does that. And so that's where we come to the seven-year sentence for her 
non-crime. But to your question, Kelly, she did try to escape twice. Go grandma, I was saying, right? <laughs> that now you is... have to share with us, how did she try to escape? Oh, Jody's got the story on that one. Well, this is interesting as we did our research, you know, again, we tried to be as accurate and truthful as possible. We can't interview the original people involved. Um, but in talking to the museum docent, she was very informative and she said a lot of the patients, there was a farm there at St. Peter, it was built on farmland near the river. And so people worked in the fields, they fed, fed the pigs, they, you know, took care of animals, they, they you know, took care of the crops. So in retrospect, we came to realize it probably wasn't the great escape like in the movies. Like we don't think she hung sheets off the second floor and climbed down outside. So what the docent told us was, even though they documented his escape, on her admission card, it says escaped the time she left and the time she returned. But she said more than likely, Martha wandered off the premises. So, you know, which is still sort of humorous to me that she even thought, you know, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. So, you know, whether she literally ran off or walked off, they, they, they sort of modified the idea of skate. They said it wasn't even uncommon for people to go into town. It was about a 40 minute walk into St. Peter proper. And the townspeople, many of whom worked at the state hospital, how do you say we're, we're uh, used to seeing mental patients in, in their town? So it wouldn't have been necessarily a shocking thing or uh, frightening or upsetting thing. They would have just called the hospital and say, one of your people's wandering the streets. <laughs> you need to go kill them. So. Wow, that is crazy. <laughs> it, it really sucked to be a woman back in the day. I mean, you can't say nothing. Now today, we're that's why we're so outspoken today, James, by the way, because back in the day- Hey man, after what you've guys been through, I don't, yeah. You couldn't say nothing right. or you'd be locked up. You're crazy, <laughs> you're complaining too much. Wow. I still think it's funny. Even if she did wander off, they, they literally do document it as an escape and they probably sent a, a wagon to go pick her up and bring her back. And Martha, possibly the docent told us she might've lost privileges. We don't think necessarily they got disciplined or punished, but she said it might've resulted in, you know, you lost some privileges because you wandered off the property. Wow. That's oh, I have a question for you. I'm not, I'm not sure who wants to answer it, but when they make the movie, who's going to play your great-grandmother? <laughs> great question. Or great-great-grandmother. Thank you for that question. I have a big vision. Thank you for that question. I have a big vision, and I don't know if, if Janelle has thought of who she wants. I want Michael Fassbender and um, Vikander, what's her first name? His wife. Um, she's lovely because they both are German speaking and I know they could pull off a an American German accent. They're the right ages. So thank you for putting in a plug for our <laughs> movie because I, I've always seen this as a movie and we're not screenwriters or anything like that. But as we researched the story and wrote about it and got more and more interested and compelled with it, then I would tell Janelle that frequently. So if any screenwriters, movie producers, directors are listening in, um, come talk to us. But I see it as a movie playing out in my, my mind because I think 
the story, and I'm not just saying this because it's my grandma, it's such a great story. It has such potential and so many themes and messages in it, whether you go with, you know, mental health or women empowerment, or you're just interested in that history, culture, time period, so more historical drama. Uh, you could go so many different ways with it, but uh, any of you listeners out there that, that have the uh, connections for us, uh, I definitely see this as a movie. Yeah, our Hollywood listeners. Alicia Vikander. So it's her and Michael Fassbender. <laughs> She's already got it cast. <laughs> I love it. Hey, we're all about manifestation. So put it out there, Jody. <laughs> that is fantastic. So anything else that you're working on? Well, we have put up the idea of creating a fiction based on Martha's story. Um, it is quite a task to put together a book. Um, so it's something that we're waiting on because even as this story has come out in um, 2021, it came out in Thanksgiving time, more information has come out of the woodwork. More people are reaching out and saying, my grandma was with her in the asylum or other testimonies are showing up. So it's worth it for us to wait and soak up all of this new information so that we can enrich the tale with a responsible um, plot so that we're not just going with whatever we think is right and whatever we feel is right, but we're also including enough truth that the story really is believable because that makes the best fiction stories. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. You guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your great, great grandmother's story, Janelle, your grandmother's story, Jody. Um, what's the name of the book again? It's called Poems from the Asylum by Martha Nash. We credit it all to her, even though we've done our part to preserve and amplify her tale. And where it's is it available? It's on Amazon, it's at the St. Peter Hospital Museum and in several uh, genealogical and other libraries. Fantastic, any websites you guys wanna throw out there? So yes, please, if you wanna know more, visit janellemaloney.com slash seven years insane. Or if you just throw in at seven years insane, you'll find us on Facebook and you'll see the website pop up automatically. And that's where we have all the juicy details as well as some actual research to support the content in the book. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Incredible story. Incredible. Yep. Thank you. You know what? When you think about all, that was some crazy shit, my friend. Man, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. It was fucked up. It, it to was. Be a I mean, woman you, to be a woman in the twenties. You okay, can't say. With you. you can't say. Yeah, I'm done with yeah, you. I'm I think I'm you, just Kelly. gonna commit I'm gonna, you. I'm gonna fucking have you committed later. Bye. I got other shit to do. Yeah, no you're shit. Just, you're crazy. That, and then, okay, going in, you're saying how she came out saying that's another crazy story. She said a lot of people there were not insane. That I, that's even more crazy. Okay, so like me and you hook up where hey, Kelly, I'm not really crazy. What are you doing here? Oh, well, my husband had me fucking committed because he was done with me. You know? I mean, that's crazy shit. Hey, I got treatment yesterday. They shocked the hell out of me. 
could you imagine? That's your treatment. I mean, yeah, I'm honestly, who, who said electric shock therapy is good treatment for the brain? How can that possibly be good? How can that possibly, like what doctor was like, yeah, this shit is gonna work. As a matter of fact, it's just standard practice. That okay. and lobotomies. Yeah, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna scramble the front part of your think brain. Think about a it. Bit. We don't know a lot about the brain today in the 21st century. Yeah, and we got MRIs, CAT scans, all that. Could shit. you imagine back in the day them taking out pieces of your brain, random pieces of your brain, and calling it good? You're you're cured. Serious. That's crazy. That that's is. that's crazy shit to me. That whole medicine back in the day and say and this this building this that this woman was at is still there yeah and she said and it was still and there isn't part of a museum they're saying all the you know the, yeah they're trying to get her them to acknowledge her grandmother's writings and yeah it's incredible you know it, it, it is wild yeah you know so, can you imagine i mean like i said going in you're saying i don't know how she came out you know well, the book again is called Poems from the Asylum by Martha H. Nash. It's available on Amazon. You can go check it out. Um, yeah, that's some crazy shit. Yeah, let's move on, man. Let's do it. Random bullshit. All right, random bullshit. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So uh, remember we talked about triangles, like the Bermuda Triangle, the Dragon's Triangle, the Bridgewater Triangle? Mm-hmm. So on Amazon Prime, I watched a documentary about the Bridgewater Triangle. And now where is the Bridgewater Triangle? The Bridgewater Triangle is in, Ma- I can't say it, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Okay, yeah. where though? Like in a lake? No, it's, uh, there's three towns, okay, that compose this triangle. And I'm sorry, I can't remember them right now. Uh, but it's a 200 square mile area. You know, not real big, you know, compared to like the Bermuda Triangle, okay? Okay. But that shit is fucking crazy. They got everything you want. Bigfoot sightings, crypt, any kind of cryptid sighting, uh, thunderbirds, large dogs, large cats. They have ghost sightings, UFO sightings, you know? I mean, it is fucking nuts that- In this 200 mile radius area. You no, know, well, area, because it's a triangle. Do people live in the triangle? Okay, well, a big part of it is swamp, but there are towns inside this triangle, you know, but yeah. I was gonna say, is it like wooded? So the majority of this triangle is swamp, but people- Yeah, it's a national forest too, so it's different terrains, but yeah. Of course it's a forest, because didn't we already determine that all forests are haunted? No shit, pretty much. Huh? But man, it is nuts the shit that goes on there, you know. And it's it's and I think it's crazy because it's so concentrated. It's a small area when you think about it. Well, they say that those triangles are portals, right? And that's why shit disappears. And that's why you know I've I've heard since we started doing this podcast, I have learned a lot about Bigfoot. I honestly just thought. Bigfoot was this random giant whatever roaming the woods. But since we've done the podcast, I have learned 
that there are all these other theories about Bigfoot being able to travel through portals, Bigfoot being paranormal, Bigfoot kind of being magic, you know, that type of shit too, which it never even dawned on me until we started doing this podcast and we're talking to all these people and that's crazy shit. I mean, I think you always knew, but I didn't know Bigfoot was that deep. So, and just the whole portal thing, the whole portal thing and oh yeah so and you're welcome by the way you're welcome thank you thank you and i've learned a lot about the metaphysical so thank you you're welcome but yeah i just thought that was uh that's interesting so this area is in massachusetts and like when you watched it so i always like to, to find this out did they how old was the documentary is the first question and what was the most recent thing that they had documented I apologize because I don't know. It was pretty recent, I would assume, but I don't want to say. I apologize. I didn't. I'll have to remember that for next Come time. Come on, James. If you're going to bring that shit, then you got it. You I, know I I've have. Gotten, I'm getting better. I have I'm questions. I have questions. I know, and I should know better because I know you have questions. Always, always have you questions. Do, it's true. All right. Well, I will do better next time, and I will, I will note that. Okay. But they have, uh, I mean, they have shit going on right now there, you know? Like, I mean, you could for pull, instance, pull, 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 pull something up. You're you're the IT girl. Do it. What's it called? Now watch the Bridgewater Triangle. Now watch this, listeners. They even have a Bridgewater Triangle podcast. Oh that yeah, is- that's true. And they talked about that. And there's investigators. These guys actually went out and investigated a lot of this shit. So the Bridgewater Triangle is an area of about 200 square miles within southeastern Massachusetts, claimed to be the site of alleged paranormal phenomena ranging from UFOs to poltergeists, orbs, falls of fire, and other spectral phenomena. Various Bigfoot-like sightings, giant snakes, and thunderbirds. See? Everything so, you everything is there. Everything that you ever wanted is there. And there's a podcast dedicated to it. So that's cool. It's actually called the Bridgewater um, Paranormal Podcast. So there's another podcast for you to listen to if you want to learn about this stuff. Thank you, Mr. James. My pleasure. So next week, we got another guest. You can always visit our stuff at That's Some Crazy Shit podcast.com there are all of our past episodes james's blog is there and that's another way that you can get in contact with us and look at all of our social media yeah listen to past episodes actually go to the one that we talked about the triangles yeah because we did talk about triangles but james i think that's all for today all right my friend so should i wrap it up wrap it up keep your minds open people